0: Hello, this is Josh. You're listening to The Invitation. Before I introduce this conversation with Chuck DeGroat, this is part two of the Summer Retreat Introduction. Let's begin with our scripture for this retreat. From Hosea 6, The Message Translation come on, let's go back to God. He hurt us, but He'll heal us. He hit us hard, but He'll put us right again. In a couple days, we'll feel better. By the third day, He'll have made us brand new, alive and on our feet, fit to face Him. We're ready to study God eager for God-knowledge. As sure as dawn breaks, so sure is His daily arrival. He comes as rain comes, as spring rain refreshing the ground. So welcome to this Spiritual Conversation with Chuck DeGroat. He's the Professor of Pastoral Care and Christian Spirituality at Western Theological Seminary here in Holland, Michigan. I'm offering this conversation as part two of the Introduction to the Summer Retreat 2018. Chuck is a board member of the invitation and he's becoming a good friend. And toward the end of our talk, Chuck has this wonderful, encouraging way of describing what God is doing in and around us.
1: To be honest, this is why I'm drawn to the podcast invitation, the prison work. um, There's something going on here that is countercultural, counterintuitive. I just want to be around people who, who are who want to live into this. Not in, I, I, this is not any kind of club. I hope everyone who know, is listening knows that. This is not like, hey, let's find the tribe that thinks like us. Mm-hmm. It's more it's missional really. Mm-hmm. It's more about um, we sense a movement and we, we want to participate.
0: You may have gotten this far into the invitation podcast. And here you are at the beginning of this summer retreat, and you're giving it a chance. And honestly, you're likely still not sure what the big deal is, what this is all about. What is a retreat? And you're wondering what you've really gotten yourself into. On one hand, as Chuck says, this is not an elite group. The invitation is open to everyone to experience more of God. So the invitation should be to some extent approachable, accessible, and inviting. Yet on the other hand, there is by the nature of prayer, there is something bewildering about approaching God. So I'm going to ask you to be patient. We intend here to be as practical As helpful, and as inviting as possible. And we will be moving through prayers of the heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yet let's consider that our retreat is a journey into the presence of God. Much of what lies ahead for us in prayer will not make sense at first. In fact, prayer is a gift of the Spirit. That is to say that we can't fake or force prayer. Instead, we create time and space so that we might discover prayer. When we sit down in silence and solitude and listen to ourselves, we can discover the spirit groaning inside of ourselves. This is the deep of God calling unto the deep inside of us. And what that looks like for you Well, that will be different for you than it is for me. My discipline here is to do what I can to make this journey approachable and inviting to you, that I might not get in the way and overly complicate this. Yet, I also must give you a sense that this is God that we're approaching. This is abundant love. He is beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. He is holy and wholly other, completely other than us. Yet he has made himself known to us, and at the same time, that revelation is bewilderingly different than us. I'm reminded here of being 14 at summer camp with my best buddy, whose name also happened to be Josh. He and I would get up at 5 a.m. to make our way into Carol's home. Carol was a woman who worked year-round at the camp that we attended, and she was known for her spiritual wisdom and insight. And Josh and I would make our way into Carol's study, where we sat with her dog at our feet, eating warm starter bread and drinking Earl Grey while Carol would guide us into prayer. And I had no idea what was happening. I had no idea what I was doing. Each morning filled me with a holy bewilderment and often confusion and sometimes even embarrassment. In fact, it was Carol who first described prayer for me as holy agony. So, Josh and I were often bewildered, yet it was a sweet, lovely, and compelling bewilderment. We always left Carol's study with a sense of amazement, knowing surely God was in that place, surely God was with us, and we always wanted more. And in entering this retreat, you may also feel a bit bewildered, just like Josh and I were sitting with Carol all those years ago. You might feel overwhelmed and inadequate. And I'm trying to suggest that bewilderment, your sense of being overwhelmed and even of being inadequate, these are good and appropriate experiences as we prepare to go into the presence of God. The premise of the invitation is that there is always more of God. The Spirit is always actively inviting each of us to that next step in our conversational, life-giving relationships with Jesus. So much of the spiritual journey relies on new vistas, a new vision of new terrain, of expanding our ability to imagine that God is more but also that we are more. The height, depth, width, and breadth of God is enormous. Yet, so is the space inside of you. You have more inside of yourself. You have more capacity to be with God than you can imagine right now. I have been involved in a couple decades of ministry that has concerned itself with making Christianity more and more accessible, to be more relevant, more simple, and approachable. Yet it seems that these well-intentioned efforts have largely resulted in a mediocre, bland, and impracticable faith. No wonder millennials are in mass exiting the church. No wonder we are experiencing what one author described as the graying of the church. In making Christianity more accessible, we have flattened God and reduced church to a consumer good. And the final result? A lackluster, lifeless Christianity. Yet, as our scripture for the summer, Hosea 6 invites, come on, let's go back to God. The invitation, this extended summer retreat is an attempt for us to reconsider, to re-see, to revision that there is a very, very deep end of the pool. And as we come to the deep end of the pool, we should be intimidated and bewildered. Returning to God is, by His nature, a return to enormity. He is the creator of the cosmos. He is the one who wields the power of life and death. As always with these spiritual conversations, I invite you to focus more on what you understand and not to fuss about what you don't understand. Listen to the spirit of the way Chuck and I are sharing. In this episode, Chuck offers an overview of his book, Wholeheartedness, Busyness, Exhaustion, and Healing the Divided Self. If you want a book that is approachable, yet appropriately so, that it doesn't flatten God. I highly recommend this book for your summer reading and your retreat experience. You can also find Chuck blogging at his website, chuckdegroat.net. I pray that this conversation inspires you not just to think about prayer, but to actually practice prayer. And stay tuned to the end of the conversation, where I'll then offer you some ideas for your practice of the summer retreat.
1: I'm a professor, I'm a pastor, I'm a friend, I'm a writer. I'm a once upon a time trombone player. (laughs) So yeah, and Wholeheartedness was my latest uh, book. I guess I I wrote a little uh, Lenten Mm -hmm. devotional since then, but Wholeheartedness was a a recent book of mine.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So part of the reason why we've connected especially is because this question of translating, um, it's, it's hard to name this, you know, I, I I want the podcast to be free of pretension, Mm -hmm. uh, condescension. Um, and when I say something like contemplative prayer, um, either folks could be confused and not know what that is, or they've heard enough that they're intimidated. Uh, so when when I think about the uh, the history of prayer and approaching God, you have yeah. some um, some legs, some history with yeah. reading the mystics.
1: Yeah. 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 So wholeheartedness felt like the risky book to write. You know, I had written a couple of books before that, but wholeheartedness was my um, my attempt to dive into things that closer to my my own heart and, and I think r- reflected uh, my musings on the mystics in ways that I hadn't put out there before and on some, some of the poets like Mary Oliver and mm. Floor Adcock and others like that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not a book necessarily on contemplative spirituality. It's a book that riffs off of this idea that we live with a kind of division and fragmentation. Mm-hmm. In our lives, we mm-hmm. don't—we're not present. We don't show up to our lives, and so it invites us to oneness and worthiness um, in Christ mm-hmm. and what we call union with God. It's pivoting off the writings of, of like a Meister Eckhart. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I had one—I had one uh, person who was asked to endorse the book and said, "I like it, but I can't endorse it because I can't put my name on a book." That quotes Thomas Kelly, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Quaker mystic and, and Meister Eckhart and folks like that. But in all my writings, what I've tried to do is I've tried to draw it up and into a larger conversation that we Christians have been having in mm-hmm. the tradition for a long time. And it, it's kind of this idea that Augustine uh, uh, has that God is more near to me than I am to myself, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. That if I trust my this this is feels like a her, heresy to say in some ways, but like if I trust my own experience, I know a lot of people think experience is bad, but mm-hmm. if I if I go with it, that the deepest wrestling of my heart, the deepest desire of my heart is God, mm-hmm. right? And I think we live in a time when we're so dismissive of experience, and mm-hmm. thus we're dismissive of the heart. Mm-hmm. We live up in our calculative mm-hmm. minds. Constantly scheming and strategizing. Mm. This is. I, I'm. I'm just trying to invite people back down into a conversational intimacy with mm-hmm. God, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And so you acknowledging that your experience mm. is key to that. Yeah. Um, Does that sound like heresy to you? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and, and and I mean that's exactly why I'm hanging out with you is that uh, I have. Um, I have mapped that the ascent of self, Mm -hmm. the discovery of self is for most of the practical purposes, the same as the ascent of God. Mm -hmm. And so this gets really, really tough for Mm -hmm. people, especially when when I'm inviting them to the summer of exploring their, their heart, their mind, their soul and their strength. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, there are people that will take that, Uh, that theological openness and i'm not here to judge them or to be angry with them it's just not my journey to then combine myself with god i'm not god so in my experience though um to know god this is the the lens through which i perceive god is myself yeah
1: yeah 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 and most of our understandings and experiences of God are like God in a box. Mm -hmm. God is a definition. I mean, Mm -hmm. I learned from the Westminster that God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable Mm -hmm. in his being, wisdom, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. That was a Mm -hmm. definition, (laughs) right? Not very like no love in there at all. Nothing that really draws you into intimacy necessarily. It's not bad, but um, it was a definition. Mm -hmm. And I think, What I like about what you're trying to do, wanting to do, doing, Mm -hmm. actively doing, Mm -hmm. talking about is inviting people into their hearts. And the the heart is the center of our being, right? Mm. Scripture said, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. Mm. And to access our heart, we have to access our stories. Mm. And Mm. that requires us to do the work of vulnerability, Mm. like do the work of exploring with curiosity our our narratives. Mm. Um, our griefs, our losses, our mm-hmm, shame. Mm-hmm. And I i think we'd rather stay up in our heads where it's safe mm-hmm. and where we can scheme and calculate. Mm-hmm. I know that's where I'd rather stay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to, to drop down into our hearts, which is, it's messier, right? Mm-hmm. It's much more messy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you um, done any thinking uh, in terms of the larger anthropology of a self, so yeah. okay, so anthropology,
1: so I, I, you know, that's that's complicated because I grew up um, terribly reformed, mm-hmm. um, I, in 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 the sense that the story of Scripture began in Genesis three, not in Genesis Genesis one. Mm-hmm. So it, it began with not just with my total depravity, but with with my pervasive depravity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until a long while later that I discovered that even John Calvin had um, a view of our original goodness and our original dignity that was inspiring. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's this point in the Calvin's Institutes where Calvin says something to the effect of, Imagine you're walking along the road and you come upon someone in need, not for his own sake, but because of the dignity of the image in that person. That person is worthy of giving yourself and all your possessions. Mm. You know that per not, not because that person's a Christian. You know that person mm. who uh, is lying there in need is worthy of giving yourself and all your possessions. Mm. And I think so. I begin with this sense of um, we're born in original goodness, mm. original mm. beauty, original dignity. Mm. That um, in one sense maybe this is this is a little muddy, but in one sense. Uh, the Garden of Eden is like the womb, you know, mm-hmm. and we emerge out into this world. And um, from the very first moments of our life, we get this whisper. Um, sure, surely God didn't say that, you know, you, you shouldn't eat from that tree. Mm-hmm. You know, we get these whispers in our life. Mm-hmm. There's there's more. Like maybe mm-hmm. God's holding out on you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I call that original shame, mm-hmm. um, which precedes original sin, sin. Mm-hmm. if If you want to call it that, like mm-hmm. original shame is um, maybe maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not enough. We begin to doubt our mm-hmm. original goodness, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we seek to transcend our humanity. I think that's really important for mm-hmm. my anthropology is, the sense that we want to transcend our humanity. Mm. This is why maybe my favorite liturgical day of the year is Ash Wednesday, because mm. you are dust and the dust you shall return. And mm-hmm. so, return to your humanity, return to your dustiness, return to your earthiness, mm. because that's what we've been trying to, in a sense, dust off mm. <laughs> since the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. We want to, we want, like, we're constantly living at five to 10 feet above mm. ground level. Above our neediness, above our dependency, I can do it on my own.
0: I can succeed
1: on my own,
0: and um, yeah, I, I when I um, go to strength, mm. when I think about strength, I'm thinking about body. Mm. I'm thinking about that place where will mm. and body come together mm. for your motivation to do things, yeah. in your action, and, and but but then. Beneath that, the idea of our humanity, the integration of self—that's yeah. a. I think that's a very helpful way to to start. Yeah. Um, we well, are creaturely. I mean, mm-hmm. this is
1: where um, my reformed tradition helps out a lot. You know, mm-hmm. we're creaturely and um, we're dependent. Mm-hmm. You know, I when I'm the most healthy. Oh, if you experience it this way. And I'm the most healthy. I'm I'm present to my need. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not I'm not running and gunning. I'm not operating at five to ten feet off the ground. I'm anchored. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is why contemplative prayer is so po- important mm-hmm. because you sit your butt in the chair and you feel the gravity pulling you down, and you're anchored, and mm-hmm. and you're there, and you're present to your body, and you're mm-hmm. present to your experience, and you're present to the God who's more near to you than you are to yourself, mm-hmm. and. Um, and and uh, we we resist that everything oh, oh. in this world. I mean, before we started recording, you read the the very opening of Everything Belongs oh. by Richard Rohr, and he essentially said that. I mean, we, we how is the spirituality of letting go mm-hmm. going to coexist with a culture of up and to the right? Mm-hmm. It's painful, painfully hard to. Mm-hmm. For you and I to be evangelists of contemplative <laughs> prayer what are we doing yeah Jeff? I just I don't think you're gonna make your first million <laughs> um, with the podcast I'm gonna I s- hate to break it to you I'm gonna
0: start swearing <laughs> and I don't know how.
1: well that'll attract more followers <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> I'm so disappointed I'm so perplexed um, so so the uh, the presentness it strikes me as a Again, another powerful thing to say, worship, loving God with all. What is the gift of the summer? Mm. What is the gift yeah. of this time when uh, we're not buying Christmas gifts, we're not preparing massive meals for yeah. large numbers of people, or we're not thinking about going yeah. to those relatives' yeah. homes. Um, we're trying to linger yeah we're trying to play we're trying to get outside we're trying Mm -hmm. to be together in different ways um i'm thinking about the presentness that you know you want to be with when you go on a vacation yeah but um that is fundamentally what you're saying
1: yeah
0: part of returning to our ashes yeah yeah the humility to simplify the self and, and to be here. Yeah. Not to be, uh, there, there's a sociologist that a friend turned me on to, Dalton Connolly. And he, he describes the situation in America that we have become the elsewhere self. Oh, wow. And that we have yeah. outsourced our happiness mm-hmm. through our technologies. Yeah. So yeah. how is it that we're loving God with all Begins by returning to our creatureliness, our bodily state, and that ultimately is really not just a bodily, it's a spiritual presence, it's it's an incarnation, really, to be emotionally present, mentally present, spiritually, physically present, to be all. Yeah, well, it sounds like Augustine, remember
1: when Augustine says, late have I loved you, Mm -hmm. oh beauty so ancient yet so new. I was on the outside, but you were on the inside, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was, that's the elsewhere self, right? Mm -hmm. I'm looking, I'm looking for you in all these other places. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you've never gone Mm -hmm. away. You were right there more near to me than I am to myself. And, Mm -hmm. but I think, well, here's the magic of summer. Okay. This Mm -hmm. is, here's my little, my little musing on this for a minute, um, from a neurobiological sure. perspective, okay? As a as a therapist. Yeah, right, right. So we live 90 to 90% of our 90 to 95% of our lives on repeat. Mm. Neurobiologists tell us mm. in our anxious limbic system which which basically sort of uh, allows us to wake up every morning and get out of the same side of the bed and You know, go to the bathroom and brush our teeth. Whatever rhythm you're in every morning that allows you to get to work. You know, those days when you're, you know, you go to work and you don't even remember being in the car driving because you can just go there Mm. without even thinking. We live ninety to ninety-five percent of our lives on repeat, out of our anxious limbic systems. And what what neurobiologists tell us is that meditation, contemplation, moves us from our anxious limbic systems into Mm. our prefrontal cortex, mm-hmm. you know, where we can live in a more calm, centered, mm-hmm. curious space. Um, mm-hmm. And I think summer is inherently disruptive to the old patterns. Mm-hmm. Because if you've got kids, you know, they're not mm-hmm. they're not in school anymore. Mm-hmm. You got to start thinking about vacation. The season is different. It's lighter. You know, you can go on repeat through mm-hmm. those dark and dreary winter months, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's this invitation to wake up and the mm-hmm. cycles change, and the and the response of suddenly you're outdoors, you're mm-hmm. mowing and gardening, and 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 uh, your brain says, whoa, 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 wait a second. Mm-hmm. The I like that old neural uh, neural mm-hmm. highway. Mm-hmm. You know, let's get back on that highway. Mm-hmm. When your body and your being and and the you know the whole rest of you is saying, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. actually we got to take this vacation, and we're you know take the girls to camp, and we're gonna. You know, go visit the mm-hmm. the in laws, and we're gonna, and so, I, I wonder, like in the spiritual tradition, disruption is so important, mm-hmm. right? And I wonder if, in, in a way, we, you know, we he sort of idealized summer as this beautiful season, but I wonder if it's disruptive mm-hmm. in a way that's different than. Mm-hmm. Fall and winter, which is classically the dark night of the soul in the tradition, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm.
0: Does that make sense? Oh, that's perfect. I love it. I love it. Cause really what I'm trying to work out here is a way to think about playfulness, rest, yeah, Sabbath, yeah. summer. Yeah. Um, we often just think that's tune out of everything else. But yeah, the question is how to bring our openness to God into that yeah. space, not not to make it heavier, not to make it uh, full of more duty. Yeah. But if He's with us, He can companion with this thing. And so you're saying, okay. So let's just repeat that. So the amygdala help us out here, yeah.
1: That's that's more of your like um, your anxious reptilian brain, you know. But the limbic system is like where we live. We live our lives, mm-hmm. you know. We live our lives out of that. that so, limbic place. is the, the, the um, sur-
0: survival instincts, the fight or flight. Oh yeah, uh-huh.
1: yeah. Um, and and it's just like, just give me something and hit repeat. I mean, it's just it's lazy, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think it's moving from that. I mean, so here's another way of saying it. And and I kind of start wholeheartedness with this story about this. This incredible encounter between David White, the poet, and Brother David Steindel Rast when mm-hmm. David White had hit a wall. He was exhausted and burned out. Mm-hmm. And he sat down um, over a glass of wine and a reading of Rilke with mm-hmm. Brother David Steindel Rast to mm-hmm. talk. Mm-hmm. And after a few moments, he says to Brother um, Steindel Rast, he says, tell me about exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And brother Standel Rest says the antidote to exhaustion is not necessarily rest. The antidote to exhaustion is wholeheartedness. Mm. And so I think what he's getting at is um, this idea that rest is like, we're lazy with our rest. Mm-hmm. Like rest is I'm going to sit and watch college football all day on Saturday and mm-hmm. NFL football all day on Sunday. And I feel, I kind of feel bad about myself and lazy and terrible so much so that by like late Sunday night, I want to get back to work on Monday, Mm -hmm. you know, and I haven't really rested. Mm -hmm. I've just been lazy Mm -hmm. in a sense, you know? And so wholeheartedness is a more active engagement. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's what I hear you going for. Yeah. Um, What that looks like. Isn't that something that we all discern maybe based on our Enneagram types Mm -hmm. and our needs in the season? Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's a long walk in in a in a um, in the woods or something mm-hmm. for some. Maybe it's gardening and getting their hands dirty for others. Maybe mm-hmm. it's maybe it's sitting on a beach and mm-hmm. simply being present to the sound of the waves mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like the spirit washing
0: over you. Um, for others, maybe it's silence, contemplative prayer. So that's a, that's the disruption, as uh, yeah. So uh, again, I I understand our habits are formed in neural pathways the same way that our addictions Mm -hmm. and our fears are formed. So if we have, uh, the uh, image I had given to me was, uh, speak of summer, uh, dune grass. So if someone was to walk over a dune several times, they would wear down a pathway. And and yeah. they've just gone yeah. this way. That's yeah. that's whether it's addictive forming, addiction yeah. forming, or if it's a healthy habit, we've just k- kind of kept going that way. Yeah. And so what you're saying is that um, we default to kinds of rests that aren't as nourishing and as helpful. Yeah. Because we've already got these kind of neural pathways preset. Yeah. To other things that don't really help us.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and the, the problem is here is that these neural pathways are stubborn. Mm-hmm. And so it's not simply a matter of one day waking up and saying, well, I'm just going to decide to live differently today. Mm-hmm. On average, it takes about six weeks for you yeah. to shift from a particular kind mm-hmm. of way of, of living and relate. So this this is like you and I are fans of Gerald May, right? Yeah, yeah. And Gerald May's Addiction and Grace. He talks a, a lot about attachments and how they sort of they they wind themselves around your heart, mm-hmm. you know. And so it takes some time to to extricate yourself mm-hmm. from yeah. these attachments. And so the work is very intentional. Um, I was meeting with someone today, and and we were talking about the work of contemplative prayer and becoming more mm-hmm. present. And I said my my three words for you are practice, practice, practice. Yeah. And in the Protestant tradition, that's not Mm -hmm. common, Mm -hmm. because it's like you got your get-out-of-jail-free card with the justification thing, Mm -hmm. and now you just kind of sail to heaven. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you screw up, well, there's grace to cover that. Mm -hmm. And there's not really a – I think we're lacking – I'm lacking, I still consider myself like in the Reformed Protestant tradition, but we're lacking a theology of practice, Mm -hmm. you know, and – Maybe that's why you and I are drawn to this in yeah. a way it gives us mm-hmm. a, a way of entering in that uh that is isn't simply like going through the motions it's a, enlivening mm. you know contemplative prayer there's nothing more powerful mm. than um than dwelling in in this this, this sort of contemplative intimacy of mm. silent prayer mm-hmm. it,
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah the um The subversion of our habits through silence, through uh, an intentional presence. Um, So here's the kicker is that, as you were talking about, figuring out what's best for our rest, depending on our personality types. There's no real um, program that will work for every single person. Um, And that's why uh, part of this summer retreat is identifying some of our spirituality types in terms of our proclivity towards mental
1: mm.
0: intellect, towards okay. the affective of the heart, yeah. Yeah. Uh, towards the action and the yeah. doing yeah. of the body. And then this misunderstood arena of the soul. Yeah. Um, the point is you will find your um, tendencies and then you'll find your own version of rest. However, I think that there is something leveling for all of us to experience within contemplative prayer, even if they're not, if you're not going to continue in it and you're going to practice it all the time. My jealousy is that everyone would have some sort of yeah. a an awareness that it's possible, yeah. that it's on the table, and so yeah. again, you you know contempl- contemplation. And the basic level could be um, like you were talking about uh, taking a good walk, mm-hmm. slowing yourself down, and being present to a sunset, yeah. the lapping of the waves. Yeah, um, that's not the full uh, story, the mystical tradition of contemplation, but that's the beginning of it. Yeah, simply being present, right? Mm-hmm. Present to your own
1: experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we you and I need to be careful that we don't overcomplicate it right with people because um, more often than not, you know, I will go off and say, well, you got to get this book and you got to get that book and and you got to commit to 20 minutes a day. And this is what it's going to look like instead of saying, what would it look like for you simply to wake up? Mm. Like, uh, have you read the work of Anthony DeMello? Yes. Yeah. and, And DeMello, does this and in mm-hmm. everything that he writes, right, mm-hmm. everything that he did, it was all about awareness, mm-hmm. you know, and it, at, he had to be an eight off the charts, but <laughs> he'd go into a room and it was, it was just this disruptive presence to mm-hmm. say, wake up. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are these lines in the book Aware, Awareness where um, I don't, I mean, I'd love to see the video, but it's wake up, exclamation point, <laughs> like he's just yelling at people. I think I might have seen that. Wake up. Um <laughs> You're sleepwalking through life, mm-hmm. and how often do you and I experience people who come to us and you know just needing a little bit of help, a little bit of direction, mm-hmm. and and really what it comes down to. I mean, I'm a therapist, so I can I can get into all sorts of like mom issues and dad issues mm-hmm. and trauma, and all that's all very important, but mm-hmm. but somehow somewhere along the way they fell asleep. Mm-hmm. And and now they're defining it as depression, mm-hmm. not in any way to minimize depression or the biological kinds mm-hmm. of um, uh, roots of depression, but but sometimes depression, at least in the spiritual tradition, uh, mm-hmm. Gerald May talks about this, in the dark night of the soul, mm-hmm. um, is is a matter of falling asleep, mm-hmm. you know. But in that, you you and I are called to help them discern, like, where is God at in that, mm-hmm. like, to get back to the heart, like, what's yeah. going on in your heart right now? Yeah, Like, um, I in wholeheartedness, I talk about a few different components of, of this heart journey. One of them is your story, but another one is just awareness, is mm. simply attending to the present moment. Mm-hmm. And all of my students nowadays call me out, like, if I'm in a busy season, <laughs> I'm walking from my office through the atrium in, on, on the lower level of, of Western Seminary, to, you know to get a drink uh, or to, uh, to, to chat with someone, mm-hmm. and they notice my pace mm-hmm. and and I asked them in class actually to call me out on that. Mm-hmm. like we're community and, mm-hmm. and so if you see me, if you don't feel like I'm present to you, mm-hmm. I invite you to share with me what your experience is. Um, that's a heart check for mm-hmm. me. Where are you right now? You know those words from Genesis chapter three, Where are you? Like where are you right now, Chuck? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe it's just maybe I, I'm I'm late for class. <laughs> it could be yeah. really innocent, right? Yeah, and I'm just booking to get a cup of tea and get to class on time, and mm-hmm. that's fine. But I think at other times, my body is telling the story of my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, my my mm-hmm. the pace of my 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 body going across the atrium mm-hmm. says to people he's unavailable. Which most likely means I'm not available to God in that moment either, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, so it's a beautiful thing to be in community like that and to invite students. I think that's a way, that's a sort of subversive way for me to invite students into this, into this process. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sometimes I'll be talking about it and it will sound pretty idealistic and I'll, I'll invite them to do disciplines. But I empower them. By saying, "Hey, you can call me out." That's powerful. Like you could call me out about email response time
0: <laughs> <laughs> during the semester. And That's you, a good
1: indication.
0: <laughs> and you can call me out on being overly persistent and annoying. Mm. <laughs> mm. I, uh, I'm a stay-at-home parent in the afternoon, <laughs> so I got to do something. I'm gonna,
1: yeah, r-
0: right, Chuck. Hey, look. I'm a self-important. <laughs> Professor of
1: something. No, no
0: but, but I mean honestly, that's a really powerful thing to model for your students. Yeah. I'm talking about this in class. Let's join together. Mm-hmm. I was just telling you before about how the the, the nuns at the Dominican Center are trying yeah. to get me to not think of myself there as the teacher, yeah. but as a facilitator, as a yeah. as a as a guide, as a as a friend, as a companion. Yeah. Um so, how to subvert the authority? You know, but then to say, "Hey, um, I'm I'm with you." Yeah. Where did you go, Chuck? Where are yeah. you? So, um, what what do you think as far as so so that's awareness? So you yeah. said originally that you didn't write about contemplation and wholeheartedness, but you're giving us some vocabulary yeah, to begin. Yeah, I,
1: I got to it in uh-huh. the last three
0: chapters. Okay. So
1: yeah, so. Quick overview. So in the beginning, I just talk about the the conversation uh, that we're all having about how busy we are mm-hmm. and how fragmented we feel, and um, mm-hmm. how that how that's led to a kind of um, scarcity and shame mentality. It's not mm-hmm. enough. I'm not enough. You know. Mm-hmm. I talk about how that leads to perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do a little. I do a little brain science in those mm-hmm. first chapters too, okay. like we were just doing a little while ago. But mm-hmm. and then I go into some poetry. And I just Mm -hmm. do like a whole chapter of poetry. This is not, they shouldn't have published this book. It was like so, so all over the place. And like, um, someone asked me afterwards, do you define wholeheartedness in there? And I said, (laughs) no, actually, I don't even know how I define, (laughs) you know. So, I came up with that after. I think a typical Enneagram for fashion, right? Yeah. I We, I... I don't outline a book. I just Mm -hmm. start to write and Mm I, I sort of feel my way through it and Mm -hmm. see what emerges. And then I start to organize maybe a little bit. And so, Mm -hmm. but then in the last three chapters, I was like, I have to get to a place where I am inviting people through practices into an experiential Mm -hmm. union. And so I do a lot of that in, um, chapter seven, uh, with some exercises Mm -hmm. and, um, and then, in chapter eight, I run it through the framework a, a psychological framework something called internal family systems which mm-hmm. it, the big idea is that there are these different parts of us that keep keep you know sort of run keep the system going mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, too much to talk about right now I was going to do a simple summary but it's it's uh it's a really fascinating way it's a fascinating anthropology let's put it that mm-hmm. way and um and and it and it puts concrete words to this notion of the false self mm. uh, as parts of us that are simply trying to manage mm. and get through life and trying mm-hmm. to cope. They're not bad. Um, uh, they're simply not the true self. Sure. You know. And so IFS internal family systems invites you to the true self. And so I use that as a way of like. Here's a here's a psychological framework that can match up well with a contemplative mm. framework, mm. and then in the last chapter, I sort of reflect on um, why I'm still a Christian and why I still go to church. And part of that is, the the main picture for me in there is when I grew up, when I was growing up, my parents. I grew up on Long Island, New York, and um, my parents didn't go to church, but they thought, well, we need to get this kid baptized because, like, my dad played on the Lutheran basketball team back in the day, and um, he lived in Jamaica, Queens, and it was just, I don't know if you can discern, like, a subtle Long Island accent that I still have just underneath all of this, but (laughs) my parents and my sister still have the thick New York accent, you know, but but they were like, we got to get this kid to the church, you know, we got to get him baptized, so they went to the Lutheran church, you know, and um, in that church was something they called the eternal light. It was like this um this candle that never, like from a little kid's eyes, it was a candle that just never went out. Like hmm. the candle's still on. What the heck? <laughs> you know? And um I didn't hear the sermon. Uh I don't remember a whole lot, but I remember that. And um it there's something about the mysteries mm. of the faith, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, that I, th- I think at least for me keep me keep me in the game. Mm. Um, and that was that was it. Like this is the light that can never be extinguished. Mm. Um, um, the, you know the light overcomes the darkness. Mm. Um, the darkness can never extinguish it. That mm. kind of idea. Mm. Um, Thomas Kelly calls the true self the light within, you know mm. and um, maybe that doesn't make me a very good Calvinist. Uh, but sure. I believe that the light is far deeper than the darkness. Mm. And the, the primary story of the faith is a story of original goodness, mm. beauty, goodness, unity, um, connectedness, wholeheartedness, um, more than brokenness, pain, suffering, mm. death, mm. loss.
0: Mm. Yeah. Tr- so identifying true self is uh, identifying that... the paradigms of our faculties that we've been already functioning through. And so, um, again, I like the way you're saying it's not necessarily that it's bad in many ways. uh, It's survival skills. It's what's gotten us this far.
1: Yeah, it's that anxious limbic system that we talked about earlier, now Mm -hmm. through some psychological language. Mm -hmm. But my definition of of, um, pastoral care Contemplative prayer, they're all the same in a sense. Mm. It's about removing every obstacle to union with God. Mm. God is already in union with you. Mm. It's you who are blind to that. It's Mm -hmm. you who've gone away. And Mm -hmm. so the father in the prodigal son story, right, Luke 15, the father never goes away. The father's always at home. Mm. I I think that's that's the story. Like Mm -hmm. if there's the the meta story in scripture embodied Mm -hmm. in like one parable, it's the father is always at home. It's mm-hmm. we who go away. Mm-hmm. And even the one who stays at home is away. He's away because I've been slaving away all these years, dad, you know, mm-hmm. I've been working my ass off for you. Mm. And um and and the father says to the older son, everything I have is yours, mm. you know. He says to the younger son, take the ring, take the sandals, mm. take the robe, ex- experience the feast. It's like this is not a god who's Who's waiting to pounce? Hmm. He's just waiting for us to come home. It's that simple. We've just made it far more complex. Mm-hmm. So contemplative prayer, reconnecting with the heart, is is a homecoming of sorts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. God has always been there. You can. I I have friends who I'll say you can trust your heart, and they'll say, "No, that is the lie of <laughs> modernity, <laughs> you know, or maybe postmodern. I don't mm-hmm. even know. This is a lie <laughs> of Western culture." And I'm like, mm-hmm. "No, it's the." The deepest truth of the Christian tradition. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah, there's that classic scene in uh, Braveheart. You remember that? Where the the young William is like looking at his father who's deceased. It's kind of like some sort of premonition or whatever. And. And he turns and says in that thick a Scottish brogue, something about follow. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna yeah. butcher it. Yeah. Follow your heart. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, this is really um, the self discovery. Uh, follow yourself. The I, th- I think what I would say when there's pushback to you in mm-hmm. terms of the kind of pop culture version of it, mm-hmm. is that it doesn't go far enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if we really stopped to understand what our heart really wants, and, I, and in spiritual direction, I just always say, it's the thing beneath the thing, mm-hmm. beneath the thing, yeah, that's good. beneath the thing, that's good. beneath the thing. So what am I yeah. doing as a director is I'm helping someone listen, Yeah. and they have presented this, and I say, okay, that's good. What else is happening? Let's go down to the other thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, if we keep, if we have the bravery and the courage Mm -hmm. (laughs) to really look, and this is the most horrifying question, it could be this kind of pop culture do goodism or feel goodism, actually. Um, Just follow your heart, man. Or if you really ask it, follow your heart. Yeah. It's horrifying because most of us don't know right now. Yeah. What we really want. No. Yeah. So we're busy, as Lewis would say, we're just busy playing. Yeah. In the gutter, when we really have an invitation. Yeah. To Mutt pies in the slums, mm-hmm. right? rather than the holiday at sea. Right. 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 Yeah. We just don't know. We have no yeah. idea that he's been here with us all yeah. along, and this is again the point of invitation yeah. language. All along, inviting us to the next step of seeing what's beneath this, what's beneath that. There's so much more for you. Let me reshape your your imagination. Let me reshape your desires and show you what's possible right now. Yeah. Yeah. Not next year or for eternity, but right now.
1: (laughs) I wonder if C.S. Lewis would be a Christian if he didn't follow his heart, right? I mean, mean, they're... He had to trust a deeper intuition. Follow your heart is not follow your feelings. Mm. the The Christian contemplative tradition is um, is suspicious of feelings, and mm-hmm. rightly so, as mm-hmm. as um, consolations, right? Mm-hmm. So Saint Teresa of Avila would say, the consolations are beautiful and good, but they're they're mm-hmm. not the thing itself. Mm-hmm. But following your heart mm-hmm. is something. It's the thing beneath the thing, beneath mm-hmm, the thing, right? And mm-hmm. you have to do the excavation work. Mm-hmm. And, um, which is
0: why silence is so key because it's hard to fake. Yeah. in silence. You, you sit there with that desire and you sit with it in silence, and you're like, uh, do I? you're really looking at that desire yeah. and you're thinking, uh, yeah, do I really wa- I thought I wanted that?" Yeah, And then you realize there's got to be something better than that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and
1: okay, so, and this is the other piece that will always get us in trouble is um, what the mystics teach us is that we'll get there by a discovery that it's not this, it's not this, mm-hmm. it's not this, the the nada of, mm-hmm. of, of St. John of the Cross, it's, mm-hmm. it's not there, it's not... Mm-hmm. And that's, there's a lot of making mistakes along the way, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so what what's it about like Ben Franklin and the whole mm. discovery of electricity? I tried a thousand times and mm. failed, mm. you know, like I had, I had to get there through failure. And mm-hmm. I think um, that's a messy journey. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. your real practical story real quick. Please. I've for 20 years, I've been working with women who've been sexually, emotionally abused, oftentimes in marriages and, uh, a lot of them married to narcissistic men. It's just been a pattern I've seen in, mm-hmm. in ministry, whether it's in Orlando or San Francisco or here now. And um, oftentimes these women will come to me presenting with depression mm-hmm. or I'm just, you know, I'm just not satisfied or I want a little bit more. These are women who are so radically disconnected from their heart and. Um, they're living on autopilot, they're living on repeat, they're living out of the limbic system. Just gotta be faithful in my marriage, mm-hmm. just gotta keep going. And they come in and they they say, I wanna they see me as a therapist, right? And they, they say, I wanna I wanna talk about depression mm-hmm. or anxiety. And lo and behold, two months in, we're starting to talk about the real pain. You know, the fact that the fact that uh, he's emotionally abusive or physically abusive or or, you know, all sorts of stuff that you know that you you can imagine happens in really painful marriages, and inevitably, that a person like this is confronted with the truth of what they they really experience and they really feel, yeah. right? So I've been living with a particular kind of narrative, like it's all going to be okay, and I just need to submit and do better, and and now it's like something inside says, um, I was made for something more. Mm. Um, and this hurts, Mm -hmm. this doesn't feel good, and I feel degraded. Mm -hmm. That's listening to your heart, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, But that path can lead to detours along the way where, Mm -hmm. where, where, let's just say, you're listening to your feelings. So in a particular moment, it's like, well... What I'm feeling right now is that I just need to leave my marriage this instant, you know, and so I pack my bags and I'm out. That may or may not be a good decision, but I mm-hmm. think that that's St. John of the Cross is not a... Mm-hmm. It's not this, it's not... That. You, you learn along mm-hmm. the way, and I think we have to have tremendous patience with mm-hmm. ourselves. You know, Richard Rohr often talks about the journey of three steps forward, two steps back. Mm-hmm. And what if we had patience with the, the the reality that we are going to blow this time and again, and that mm-hmm. following our heart is mm-hmm. not some sort of like... Disney-esque. Mm. I've just tuned into yeah. the true self, the true center, and now I'm good for the next mm. 40 years. But in fits and starts, mm-hmm. um, with clear discernment and with really bad listening, you yeah. know, I'm yeah. going to I'm gonna blow this time and again. Mm-hmm. And it's okay because a deep like what you said, because I'm convinced that I mean we you and I think a lot alike on this, like it's that deeper work mm-hmm. that you're you're continuing to point people to, mm-hmm. and you're just doing the, like our job is the excavation work. Mm-hmm. We're helping them do the, the digging, you mm-hmm. know, of everything that's false, mm-hmm. everything that's not, not true to who they really are.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, so so John of the Cross is a lot to swallow. Teresa Avila is mm-hmm. is big, and I bring that into my, the way I talk about God and practice and I'm hoping that what it does is it actually creates a holy jealousy Mm. in people that, Oh, there's another vocabulary. There's some more depth to this. Yeah. This is not, Oh, Chuck and Josh have now gone kind of off the deep end into some really intense things that that's only for uh, professors at colleges and spiritual directors at Dominican center. But so, so underneath that is really that practical. So bring this together. Um, You know, so you're in the summer, you got kids around, you're working with your spouse, or you could be single, and um, you're reacting to things, and you're trying to figure out where do I find contentment. Hmm. And so some of this could flare up an amygdala into the fight or flight, the the hmm. reptile brain. Yeah, and then you're trying to calm down. You're trying to be present. Yeah, right. And then you're thinking, okay, now that I'm present, I'm really thinking what do I really want? Mm-hmm. I've been able to calm down all my reactions against...
1: Yeah. Take it back to your desires, or what th- do I really want right now? What yeah. are my
0: desires? And, and and John of the Cross, you're simply saying, well, I could go do this, and I could do that. And they're not necessarily taboo, mm-hmm. deep, dark sins. Yeah. But underneath that, the invitation is the Spirit saying, I would like you.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I would like to commune with you. Yeah. I've created you to sit down at a table with me and, and I wanna give you true rest. Yeah. I wanna give you good food to eat
1: mm.
0: that you don't even know about and, and it doesn't have to be intense. It could be as simple as uh, moving away from some distraction, uh, from some other potential conflict and choosing peace. Um, it could be very, very ordinary and very simple. There's, uh, there's nothing ultimately really sexy about this, <laughs> but it's. And the reason why I use that word is because I think a lot of the Christian practices try to, mm. when they want to make things accessible, they, they kind of blow it up into some hype. This mm. is, uh, going back to ashes to ashes. This is, returning to yourself in the most basic raw and that's the awareness way right yeah. that's the awareness yeah. what am i really experiencing right now Yeah. where am i where are my desires can god come into this space yeah or you know or
1: as i think the tradition understands it like that is your christ self that is your god self like in that space uh you you and God are one, you know? And it's like Martin Laird talks about, it's like you're the sponge in the ocean, you mm-hmm. know, and where the sponge and the ocean begin and end, it's hard to discern sometimes, you know, but you're you experience a kind of oneness mm-hmm. with God that I don't boy, that's that's it. That's like that's what we're all that's what we all long for. Every everything that we're we're searching for uh in in contemporary society today is like a search for transcendence right mm-hmm. it's a search for that oneness and worthiness that mm-hmm. we can only get by dropping down into the depths of our our being and i don't you know i don't know sometimes um i don't know how to translate that mm-hmm. to people who are on the go <clears throat> i hardly know how to live it faithfully myself i've sure. been on this journey for a while and you know, I, I I use an app to, to, for accountability to keep my, you know, contemplative streak going. Yeah. You know, it'll tell me, you're in an eight-day streak. You're in a 32-day streak. You're in a... What's like, the app? Thank you so much. The Calm app. The you Calm, know? okay. C-A-L-M. Yeah. yeah. Um, which has some really good resources for doing,
0: like, mindfulness exercise and stuff like that, right? But I really want this whole thing to be as practical yeah, and as approachable right. to people as possible. Well,
1: so... I think that that's, I'll begin there oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Like I'll say, just download the Calm app and mm-hmm. commit to doing five or 10 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. They've got some good exercises. Mm-hmm. It'll begin with maybe like a basic body scan, you mm-hmm. know, from, from the tip of your head to the tip of your toes, you know, just a simple body scan. Mm-hmm. And people will come back to me and say, wow, mm-hmm. I like, I felt like alive. My whole body felt alive. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's that simple. Like I paid, you know, two hundred bucks for a massage at a resort and didn't mm-hmm. feel that good. Mm-hmm. And um, what is that? They'll mm-hmm. ask, "What is that?" You know, mm-hmm. and it's I'm like, it's being present. Mm-hmm. The most alive experience mm-hmm. is being present. And, mm-hmm. and I'm working with someone right now who said, "All this stuff you're you're asking me to do about being present. I mean, that feels like so much work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is." And. Because like, you said it was, yeah. it takes six weeks to get yeah, this really built yeah, in. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. practice, right? But you will feel more alive, more mm. resilient. So I, I, I just got done with a semester, and it was busy. It was full. Mm. There was a lot going on. Um, I wasn't exhausted mm. at the end of the semester. Mm. I wasn't ready to. Um, I, I wasn't burning out. I wasn't ready to, to jump in bed and sleep for two weeks. Mm. Um, I was, I was full, you know, in the, in the fullest sense of the word, you know, like it was a full semester. And I, and, uh, you know, I teach classes where I hold the stories of a lot of people, Mm. assignments are stories and, you know, of life and of shame and of addiction. And so there was a lot of I have a lot of interaction during the semester, a lot of engagement with with people on a personal level. But since I've been regularly engaged in contemplative prayer Mm -hmm. and every day, hour by hour, Mm -hmm. moment by moment presence, I feel so much more resilient. Mm -hmm. I think because neurobiologically, I'm not living out of the anxious limbic system, which Mm is, it just sounds alarms. If you Mm -hmm. live out of the limbic system, it's like, that's where TJIF comes from. Mm. That's where, oh, why? Well, thank God it's Friday. Let's go. Let's go grab a few drinks and mm. let's, you know, let's get let's spend the weekend in a kind of perpetual buzz mm. and come back on Monday just feeling pretty awful, but like pushing our way through the week. Mm. Um, so there's a better way, and I know you and I are. This is really countercultural, and I, mm-hmm. th- to be honest, this is why I'm drawn to you. This is why I'm drawn to, mm. um, the the podcast. Invitation, mm-hmm. the prison work, the um, there's something going on here that is countercultural, it is. counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. I just want to be around people who, mm-hmm. who are who want to live into this. Not in. I, I. This is not any kind of club. I hope everyone who know, is listening knows that this is not like, hey, let's find the tribe that thinks like us. Mm-hmm. It's more. Mm-hmm. It's missional, really. Mm-hmm. It's more about. Um, we sense a movement and. We we want to participate, mm-hmm. and so if I'm around Josh, mm-hmm. I feel like I I blogged about you mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you saw that, but mm-hmm. I I just talked about conversation you and I had, and it inspired me to blog. And um, something came alive in me after spending time with mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. over coffee one morning. And um, okay, that's good. That's like presence. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're in this for, you yeah. know, presence for ourselves, presence to God. Um, so well,
0: it's good hanging out with you. Thank you so much for your time and your thoughts. So fun. Okay. Yeah. So, what are you present to right now? Can you listen to yourself here? Are you consumed in your own thoughts, performing some sort of analysis? Is your heart being stirred, meaning are your emotions being stirred? Or do you find a sense of wanting to sit quietly to linger in trust? Or are you getting restless? Do you want to get up and to do some building to make an effective contribution to something tangible? Each of these responses has its benefits and weaknesses. We're suggesting that together, we can become whole, integrated, and holy. If you'd like to move more clearly to understand your own spiritual type, I encourage you to download the prayer guide, 40 Ways to Spend 5 Minutes with God. It can be found at invitationpodcast.org by going to the download section under resources. Get that guide and then read through each of the suggested prayer practices and, and ask yourself, which seems easiest? Which is more comfortable? and inviting, most likely that will be the arena of heart, mind, soul, and strength. One of those that you have been designed to pray. As I sit with Hosea 6, come on, let's return to God. In a couple days, we'll feel better. As I sit with this passage, I am reminded of the Holy Spirit's gentleness. When we lead a retreat, the first instruction is for our retreatant to get enough sleep. We encourage people to go to bed early and to sleep in late if they need to and to not feel guilty. I noticed that at the beginning of James Bryan Smith's Good and Beautiful God, the first discipline he suggests, what he calls a soul training practice, The first thing he recommends is more sleep. As you consider your spirituality type, I encourage you to spend some time between now and the next episode that should be about three weeks. Spend some time considering how to take better care of yourself. There is a deep end of the pool. Yet perhaps the best way for you and me to get there is to begin with practices of self-care. A retreat is a fleeing. It's a moving away. When an enemy comes that is too threatening, we retreat and we flee. Most of us are somehow beaten down by life's circumstances because we're trying to resist with our own strength. The deep end of the pool, contemplation, it's a practice of surrender, not of fighting. So, for our summer practice, to make this approachable and inviting, in the summer we need to get away, to retreat. We need a detox. The most spiritual thing for you this summer might be more regular exercise or going to bed an hour earlier. It may be turning off your internet and going for a walk outside. I'd like to suggest this. What if you took five minutes a day for the next week simply to brainstorm about different kinds of self-care that you need to learn? In that question, of course, is the consideration of what is toxic in your life. What ideas, what influences from people or media sources, what foods, what habits, what is toxic in your life? I remember when Bob my dear friend who was in my spiritual direction practicum. I remember when Bob turned to me and said when I was in a very difficult place in life, Josh, we are only as gentle with others as we are with ourselves. There is the gospel in that statement. In fact, this whole summer retreat will likely be a way to look at heart, mind, soul, and strength, to look at ourselves thoroughly, for the sake of self-care. How can we be expected to swim to the deep end of the pool and to commune deeply with the Holy Spirit mystically? How could we even train our minds on the love of Jesus when our bodies are fighting against us, riddled with fatigue and eaten up by so many toxins? Self-care. You might know what you want right now, but the prayerful question is, what do you need? what's best for you. So please stay tuned as we continue this journey through the Summer Retreat 2018. This next episode will be the first of our experiment where I am recording a spiritual conversation with a group of younger pastors and friends to talk about prayers of the heart. And again, we will not come with our expertise, but with our weakness, our questions, and our confusions. If you're not already subscribed to the Invitation Podcast, I invite you to please sign up. You can find links for subscription on all the pages of the website at invitationpodcast.org. And remember, the invitation is going public in a new way by forming as a nonprofit. Later in the summer and the fall, we will be asking you to consider some financial help to make the invitation sustainable. For now, please be a friend and come on this summer retreat. Subscribe to the podcast and shoot me an email just to say hello. Feel free to offer your thoughts and any questions. It is an honor and a delight to serve you in this guidance and journey through prayer. May it be well with your soul this summer. Amen.